Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. When meal kits first launched in the U.S., Americans were fast to embrace the idea of pre-planned, pre-portioned, ready-to-prepare dinners delivered directly to their doors. But according to new research from Packaged Facts, that love quickly faded for many who became disenchanted with meal kits' high prices, extensive packaging, and inflexible subscription models. According to the recently released third edition of Packaged Facts' Meal Kits' U.S. Trends and Opportunities, these setbacks, combined with an aggressive, ongoing promotion war between meal kit companies, have led to the failure of numerous players in recent years and calls into question the future of the segment as a whole. Indeed, Package Facts predicts that while sales of meal kits will grow around 20% in 2018 and 2019, it'll see a sharp drop-off after that, dipping to a predicted 16.2% in 2020, followed by only 12.8% growth the following year, and a mere 5.8% in 2023, resulting in a compound annual growth rate of only 12.2% in the coming five years. But according to Kara Brocious, an industry analyst with the Fredonia Group and author of Packaged Facts Report on Meal Kits, there is hope for the segment. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, she walks us through what is slowing down the meal kit category and what strategies might help existing players not only survive, but also thrive in the coming years. Kara explains that in many ways, meal kits have been a whirlwind romance for Americans, with the first companies launching less than 10 years ago. And like many fast-moving relationships, this one was full of potential at the start, but as time passed, it hit several hurdles. The meal kit market has just changed rapidly since meal kit delivery services were first introduced. The timeline for meal kit delivery services has also been relatively short. It's dated back to the beginning of the decade. Um, For instance, HelloFresh was founded in 2011, Plated and Blue Apron were founded in 2012, and Home Chef started its operations in 2013. At first, many of these companies did experience a lot of interest from venture capital and other investors, too, because meal kits were seen as the next big thing. They were growing really fast, and leadership was very positive about meal kits. But now the struggles of meal kit companies have come more to light, and venture capital is a lot harder to come by in this space. After an IPO that many people have called disastrous, Blue Apron has continued to see declining revenues, and they have many fewer active customers than they did before the IPO. The story of Blue Apron's difficulties has really made investors more wary of investing in meal kits. The truth is just that meal kits can't really achieve economies of scale if they're operating as independent businesses. Delivering fresh ingredients is really difficult without an established distribution network. And the the subscription model isn't working in many cases. Customers just want more flexibility than that can offer them. They also think meal kits are too expensive. As Kara has already hinted at, there are many factors weighing down the meal kit segment. But most pivotal is price. The number one factor is price, though. Of people that have 
prescribed stimulant kits, um, the ones who have canceled their subscription tend to say that they have canceled because the price is just too high. Generally, the cheapest available plans that you can get are $9.99 for one serving. And that's pretty expensive if you're thinking about the fact that people still have to cook these meals. There is convenience added because they don't have to do the meal planning or the shopping, but they still have to cook and prepare the meal. So $9.99 might seem very cost prohibitive to a lot of people when they could just go and get fast food or even take out at a restaurant for less money. Another major hurdle for the meal kit category is the abundance of packaging that is used in order to safely deliver food to consumers' doorsteps. There are a lot of concerns about the packaging used in meal kits, and a lot of this just has to do with the fact that most meal kit subscribers tend to be younger and more concerned about the environment than a general consumer. And customers certainly don't like to see the huge boxes coming to their door that contain a lot of additional internal packaging. In order to ship food directly to consumers, food has to be protected in durable packaging, and it has to be insulated too. That will ensure that people can get food safely and that it will be undamaged during shipping. And then the other big factor here is that meal kits have separately packaged ingredients because that will make it easier to use in the specific meal recipes. Some companies separate ingredients by the meal they will be used in, which really helps with the convenience factor. And many meal kit companies are aware that their consumers are very concerned about packaging. They're trying to use as much reusable and recyclable packaging as they can. For instance, Sunbasket has ice packs that are made of recyclable, recyclable plastic bags. And they have a gel that's made of water and cotton. So that makes it fully compostable. And Tara's Kitchen is another big player in the meal kit space. They deliver meal kits in a reusable cold vessel that the delivery company can pick up the next day. And it's also standard practice for meal kit companies to use insulated liners that are made of recycled materials, like blue jeans and burlap sacks. But for many customers, this just hasn't been enough, because shipping direct to a consumer necessarily involves more packaging than a product would have in a store. Attaining and retaining consumers is another pain point for the meal kit industry, which has relied heavily on promotions such as gift cards for $25 off their first order or buy three weeks and get one free to attract buyers without also offering consumers an incentive for loyalty. This strategy is very good for attaining new customers, but that it really doesn't help in retaining them. I think it can be really harmful because companies are losing a lot of money when they initially are offering these introductory prices. And most of the customers that they acquire through these introductory offers are canceling for various reasons. But it also helps to note that customers who really like meal kits and meal kit delivery services, they're often hopping between providers if they don't ever get brand loyalty. They don't want to pay the high prices. And since all of the companies are offering these introductory prices, they're incentivized to do that. They can get the introductory price and cancel service when that price ends, and then they'll just go to the next company. I've seen a lot of meal kit companies advertising through the mail, 
through mailings. Um, they often will put advertisements on websites, and they also use social media a lot, and that does help them attract customers who are young. But despite that, advertising really doesn't help with customer retention, and retention is one of the bigger problems that meal kit companies are having. In an effort to boost retention, some meal kit providers require consumers to sign up for a subscription, a strategy that sounds good in theory, but which has backfired. Kara explains that consumers simply don't want to be locked into a subscription that requires multiple meal purchases per week over a long period of time. Finally, Kara suggests that meal kits may be selling their products short by focus mainly on advertising and marketing efforts targeted at young consumers. She sees significant potential for marketing to older consumers and those with families. Meal kits, although they've primarily been purchased by younger people, they're not a product just for young people, not at all. Older people, for instance, they would benefit greatly from meal kits. Some older people have limited mobility or conditions like arthritis, and that can make it a lot harder for them to go out and shop. It can make it a lot harder for them to cook also. And if meal kits can be delivered to their doors, then they can still make fresh and healthy meals, but they don't have to worry about going grocery shopping anymore. And I can just say that personally over Thanksgiving, some of my partner's relatives were telling me that they started a HelloFresh subscription. This couple is in their 60s, and they're retired, and they liked the concept because it was novel to them. They really liked the recipes they were getting, and they consider themselves to be foodies. They don't have trouble getting out of the house, and they already know a lot about cooking. So to them, it was more just a convenience thing, and also that they could try a lot new products. They could try new recipes with meal kits. Most of the meal kit providers are already offering family plans, which usually have just bigger um, recipe sizes that have more portions in them. One example I can think of that directly targets families is One Potato. That company offers kid-sized portions of meals that kids like, and they also have all kid-friendly recipes because they encourage children to help their parents cook, and in the instructions there are often certain tasks for the kids to do. This company has been successful in targeting busy families that still want to provide their kids with healthy meals that they will enjoy. And they're kid-approved recipes, so even the pickiest eaters will try to, or even the pickiest eaters will like what they are selling. Despite these many sticking points, Kara believes there's a future for meal kits, but she warns it likely won't be in the delivery space. Rather, she says the best strategy for a long-term survival for meal kits is to establish a partnership with brick-and-mortar retailers, which is already working for some players. Um, the trajectory for the meal kit space, I think that, first of all, many things are going to happen in the next few years. I think meal kits as a product are going to see continued growth, but that meal kits as a delivery service are going to stall. Meal kit companies have been trying out different models because the online subscription model just has not been profitable for them, and it also deters a lot of potential customers. More traditional distribution through, like, grocery stores, I think has a lot 
higher potential for meal kit companies. This will reduce the cost of shipping because shipping directly to customers is very expensive. There will also be a lot more potential customers through grocery stores because this is how people are already used to buying food. I think that one-time purchases are going to be a lot more common in the next few years. And I also think that we're going to see a lot of consolidation. Lots of meal kit companies have been burning through cash, and they're trying to grow their customer base, but they haven't been able to in many cases. And these companies have to seek to be acquired or they're going to face shutdown. There have been grocery stores interested in purchasing meal kit companies and also larger meal kit companies purchasing their, competi purchasing their competitors. On the meal kit side, HelloFresh has been very active in acquisitions. In March, they bought Green Chef because this could offer more products for sale. Green Chef was one of the first to offer fully organic meals. USDA certified, and with those types of products, HelloFresh could have that niche of the market. And they also acquired a Canadian meal kit company called Chef's Plate in October, which can increase the global market share for HelloFresh. But what might be a better idea than just being acquired by a meal kit company, be acquired by a larger food producer or a retailer? This has already happened, and it does appear to be the best way for meal kit companies to achieve economies of scale. I'm thinking of Albertsons, which bought Plated in 2017, and Kroger, which bought Home Chef in June this year. Grocery stores can get ingredient suppliers on board to make pre-portioned ingredients for these products. And Fresh food meal kits can also be made in a store, like other prepared foods already are, for maximum freshness. If meal kit providers want to continue with their current model, then Kara says they must find ways to lower the price per meal in order to attain and retain customers. Players in the space absolutely need to find ways that they can have meal kits for sale for lower prices. And there are two services that are already doing this. Dinnerly and Every Plate. Dinnerly is a service of Marley Spoon, I believe. And Every Plate is the lower priced meal kit option that HelloFresh offers. And those meals are about $5 per meal, per serving. So that's a lot more attainable for most customers who would be interested. And although delivery services might have a harder time offering those types of prices, grocery stores can offer much better prices since they take out the direct-to-consumer shipping element. Kara explained that these services are able to offer such low prices in part because they focus on simpler meals, such as burgers or salads, which can fill consumers up, but which also might not have as many components. Similarly, she says that these options tend to have fewer ingredients, so they need less prep packaging, and likely have lower shipping costs. Other strategies that Kara says meal kits are pursuing to stay afloat include offering more flexibility around subscriptions, offering complimentary services, such as Blue Aprons Wine Club and online stores that sell aprons and kitchen equipment. While the meal kit category continues to pursue options for survival, Kara notes only time will really tell which of these strategies work and which players will come out on top.
And with that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll join me again in the new year for the next installment. Since that's a few weeks away, I just want to encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes so that you're sure to remember come January. Until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable holiday season and a happy new year. <laughs>